so here's the deal. We're, we're going to be kind of kind of cruising through uh, this, this story of Abraham, and and really as we do that, we're we're going to be just kind of looking at uh, maybe uh, you know three different sections. The, the three sections that we read earlier. Um, there's more to the story of Abraham than we read, a lot more. Um, uh, really, if you just kind of start at Genesis 12 and you go to like Genesis 2021-ish, uh, 20, uh, you, you'll be able to get most of the story of Abraham. So you can read that on your own and get a fuller picture than what we're going to give today. Um, but, but what we're trying to do today is really think about promises and responses, right? And the story of Abraham is really uh, a story of promises made to this one man named Abraham, um, and, and, and the responses that Abraham kind of has. Um, and so the first thing we want to do is just be considering what those promises are. Uh, what are those promises that God makes to Abraham? And, um, and what we're going to see is, is 16 different, don't put them up yet, but, but 16 different times that God comes and says, I will. I will, 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 I will. How many was that? I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will, right? He just says, I will, over and over and over again. In the English, right, translation that we have, God comes and he makes promise after promise after promise. Sometimes he just says the promise again, right? Sometimes uh, he, he says it differently. Sometimes he adds a little bit to it. But 16 different times in just these, you know, chapters 12 to 17, it covers about, by my estimation, maybe 20 to 25 years in the life of Abraham, uh, God comes and says, I will do this, right? He, he makes promise after promise. And so um, as you're looking at the promises, right, if you just want to like tune me out, not pay attention for a minute, just be considering like what promises has God made to you? If this is a book of examples and not a book of exceptions, that, then we can sort of assume, right, that God makes promises to you. Um, and, and by the way, that's what we believe here, that this is a book of examples. And so this isn't just like, oh, God did this in the life of this one man like thousands of years ago. No, what promises has God made to you? Is he making you? Um, here we go. Um, uh, 16 different promises. We're going to cruise through ever so briefly just each one, right? So, so chapter 12, verse 1, God says, I will show you, right? It's a promise to guide Abraham. Um, so, so he just says, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, hey, uh, go from your country, from your kindred, your father's house, the land that I will show you, right? So uh, God is saying, hey, I want you to leave what is familiar, leave what is comfortable, and go somewhere. I'll tell you when you get there, All right? So this is a promise to guide Abraham. Um, it's a promise to, to show him uh, something when he, when he, when he arrives, uh, second one, I will make you a great nation. This is really a promise of a, of a big family. It's nation language uh, because the family is going to get so big that people are going to look at them and say, oh my gosh, that must be like some kind of organized, you know, group of people, some kind of, fam uh, some kind of nation, right? And so, so this is a promise for a really big family. We've got to see that, right? One man who's going to become a great family, a great big family, a great big nation. Um, third one, I will bless you and I will make your name great. Um, to, to receive a blessing is essentially to receive a gift that makes life better. To receive a gift that makes life better. God, the creator of all things, right? At this point, that's how we know him uh, in the story. God, the creator of all things, is saying, hey, I'm going to give you a gift that's going to make your life better. Um, I'm going to make your name great, he says. Um, name is, uh, is usually um, uh, side by side with like character or reputation. 
right? So, so God is saying, hey, I'm going to make your reputation great to the people around you. Um, I'm going to make your name, your, your character great to the people around you. Right? It's a promise from God. Um, next one, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Uh, this is a promise of protection, right? Uh, this is a big deal. If you're going to be a wanderer at this time in history, um, you need somebody or something to protect you. Otherwise, you know what you have to do? Brown nose. You got you to gotta get in good with people around you. You got to like be a people pleaser. You got to like make agreements and, 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 uh, and, and uh, you know, get in good with, with the people in other cities and communities because there's no laws from, from somebody in a, in a foreign, you know, like now, let's say, you know, you live here and then you go, I don't know, somewhere farther away. <laughs> we'll just say Oakland, right? You go to Oakland and, uh, and, and there's nothing to stop them from killing you and taking all your stuff. Right? Today, there would be like laws against that kind of thing. At that time in history, there's not. Right? And so the way that you survived, if you're a wanderer, is you made agreements. Right? You, you got in good. You, 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 uh, you, you tried to please the people in that city. Uh, this is a huge promise from God. If he's going to be a wanderer, God is saying, hey, I'm going to protect you. Uh, next one, 12 verse 7, uh, Abraham has picked up his bags and he's began, uh, begun to wander around, just like God said. And then he gets to this place uh, called the land of Canaan. It's the promised land as we know it. And God says, no, no, stop. This is it. This is the land that I will give you, right? I will give you this land, God says. Um, uh, we move on, right? Uh, this is uh, getting into chapter, I don't remember, I didn't write it down. Yeah, chapter 13, uh, for all the land that you see, I will give it to you, right? Here's the next one. I will give it to you. So what's happened here is Abraham uh, kind of set up camp in the promised land. And then for, you know, different reasons, we'll talk about in a second. He goes down to the land of Egypt and then he comes back, right? And, uh, and, and Abraham's looking at the promised land again. And God says, hey, remember, this is it. This is the land that I'm going to give you. Uh, next one, I will make your offspring as the dust, can you imagine, as the sand on the seashore, right? As many, you probably know this, right? As many as the stars in the sky. And so again, right? It's just this promise again that we see of God making Abraham's family huge, right? A, a really, really big, the lots of descendants. Uh, 17, uh, chapter 17 says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Uh, it's a promise again of, of giving him a big family, of making him a big nation, but also of putting resources in his hands, right? Of, of, of helping him to, to actually be productive in his work. Um, I'll make you into nations, plural, right? Now, now it's plural. I'll make you into nations in uh, chapter 17. Um, and kings will come from you. Uh, in other words, um, at, at the very least, what God is saying here is that, um, hey, your family is going to be huge and, and we're going to organize you into a nation and you're going to have some kind of lasting power, lasting authority. Um, there are going to be multiple kings that come from you, right? At the very least, that's what God is promising. Um, next one, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring, right? This is a promise of relationship. Uh, there's a promise to, to always be in relationship with Abraham and with his family, uh, his big family, uh, forever. 
uh, and then uh, uh, give you the land, right, is the, is the next one. I will give you the land. And then I am missing some notes on here. Uh, can you put up the next one? Yeah, I will bless her and I will give her a son. I will bless her, right? That's also in chapter 17. Just notice the like double emphasis there. I will bless her. That's, a, that's God speaking to, to Abraham about his wife, right? I will give her a gift that's going to make her life better. Um, and that gift that's going to make her life better is a son. Um, and then he says again, hey, I'm going to bless her. Um, here's, here's the point. Well, actually, just go ahead and put them all up. That's what it looks like if you try to cram all 16, 17 of these uh, promises onto one slide. Isn't that cool? Look, um, uh, look at me for just a second, right? You have a God who makes promises to one man named Abraham. And if we believe that this is a book of examples and not a book of exceptions, then you have a God that makes promises to you. And so if we just kind of boil this down to like the point, right? We just want to stand in awe of the fact that God makes promises to people. Um, that we, we want to delight in the fact that God cares enough about you and your life and how you walk through this life that, that he actually makes promises to you. Uh, second thing that we want to see, out, uh, see about this, and this is pretty cool, is that God is essentially promising a return to the garden, uh, just see the different things that are here, right? God is promising to be in relationship with Abraham and his family, just like Adam and Eve had a, a, a relationship with God in the Garden of Eden. They walked with him every day. Uh, God is promising to make Abraham exceedingly fruitful, right? To make his work actually productive, just like it was in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve. Uh, God is promising to give them a big family, just like God told them to have in the Garden of Eden. Uh, God is promising to protect and provide for them, uh, just like he was protecting and providing them in the Garden of Eden. So this is like super cool. If you just kind of think about this, this is God promising to return them to the garden, or really what I say is he's bringing the garden to them. He's saying, look, I, I know that all of that was lost, but I want you to experience life as I created it to be experienced. I want you to uh, experience life in a certain way, according to my plan and my purpose. And so I know that, that you've lost that, and so I'm promising to bring the garden to you. I'm promising to bring a piece of paradise to you and let you experience life as, you have, uh, as I have uh, desired for you to experience it. Does that make sense? It's like super powerful, right? To, the, that God is bringing the garden to Adam and Eve. Um, and, and then the last thing that we just have to see is that really uh, God is setting the course in all these promises here. He's setting the course for the rest of history, right? He, he's setting the course for the rest of history from Abraham all the way to Jesus. I mean, if we really just kind of boil down the big picture, big picture is creation, fall, Abraham, Jesus. I mean, that's really, if we just kind of like boil down the whole sequence, that's what's happening here. Uh, Jesus, God is setting the course for, for the rest of history until we get to Jesus. All right, let's consider the responses a little bit. All right, uh, Abraham responds in lots of different ways. And, and this is pretty cool. Um, when we think about the responses, right, we're thinking about how, how Abraham responds to God's word, to God's work, to the promises of God. But then we also want to be considering, like, how am I responding to uh, the word of God, the work of God, the promises of God? 
And, and we would say that, that two of these responses are, are faith-filled. Uh, that's the first two promises that you see there and we'll talk about. Um, there's two responses that are good. And then there are um, maybe four responses that are um, not so good. <laughs> and so we're just going to kind of quickly cruise through that and then try to wrap all this together, okay? All right, so, so first response we would say is faith-filled movement. This is chapter 12, verse 4. Um, uh, it, it just simply says this, so Abram went, period. <laughs> So Abram went. God makes him all these promises, right? He promises to guide. He promises to give him a big family. He promises to bless him. He promises to make his name great. Um, promises to, uh, to, to, to work in his life. So Abram went. The first response that we want to see here, and this is a good response from Abram, it is, is the response of faith-filled movement because the promises of God and the word of God and the work of God should actually animate us. It should move us somewhere. It, it should give us a cause to get off of our butts and actually do something. Can I say that? Is that okay? Can I say that on live stream? Is that acceptable? One said no, one said yes. I'm going to go with the yes. All right, so, right, the... The faith-filled movement, the promises of God should move our hearts, should stir us so much that we're actually doing something about it. Uh, second response uh, is simply worship. Uh, 12 verse 7, right, Abraham goes on the journey and God says, no, 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 stop, this is it. This is the land that I promised to give you. And what's Abraham's response? He builds an altar. He builds an altar to worship God. And notice, it doesn't say, oh, Abraham found a really good preacher, and so he sat down and he listened to that really good preacher. It doesn't say, oh, uh, uh, there was a really great worship band in this place, and so they sat down and they worshiped with this really great worship band. No, Abraham is looking at the promises of God. He's looking at the work of God. He's looking at the word of God. And he builds an altar in worship and awe of who God is and what God is doing. Second response is worship. Those are uh, two good responses. Uh, on our best days, we maybe respond to God's word, God's work, God promises in that fashion. Uh, but we also, unfortunately, probably connect with some of these other responses. Uh, another response might be neglect. And, and I don't know if that's uh, maybe too harsh. I, I'm not quite sure how to label these responses. But, but, but there's kind of this interesting thing that happens. Uh, chapter 12, verse 10, now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. So just see this, right? God, Abraham is actually in the promised land, where God, uh, the, the land that God had been preparing. And at the first sign of trouble, what happens? Abram doesn't go to God and say, hey, God, what are you going to do about this famine? He doesn't say, hey, you've made me all these promises. What are you going to do about this, this problem that I have? He doesn't say, um, what do you want me to do to deal with this problem? It seems like Abraham just sort of steps up, and instead of letting God say, I will, Abram says, I will go down to Egypt and solve my problem. See, there's just been this great dialogue between Abram and God up to this point, and all of a sudden, uh, chapter 12, verse 10, the first sign of trouble, um, Abram uh, just kind of like neglects God. He, he neglects the word of God, neglects the promises of God. 
Um, uh, uh, fourth response is uh, is maybe just flat out rebellion. And again, maybe that's too harsh of a term, but but this is really interesting, right? When Abram gets down to to Egypt, um, he makes this plan essentially to protect himself. Um, to protect himself, uh, he says, uh, "Sarah, um, you're an attractive young lady, and um, and, and I'm afraid that the that the people in Egypt are looking at you, and they're gonna, they're going to try to kill me to get to you." And so uh, he hatches up this brilliant plan. Hey, Sarah, tell them that you are my sister so that they'll um, let both of us live. And it'll be awkward and a little bit weird, but at least I'll be alive. Abram uh, makes up this plan. He arranges for his own protection. And so just see this, right? God had just told him verses ago, anybody who, who curses you, I'm going to curse. Anyone who blesses you, I'm going to bless. Um, God was promising to protect Abram wherever he went. And yet, um, Abram rebels against that word, against that promise, and just kind of tries to do his own thing and says, I'm going to arrange for this myself. Um, uh, fifth response is, is, a, is, is a response of self-doubt. Uh, we move forward to chapter 16 here, and, um, and it's, it's been several years since the promise that Abram's going to become a great nation. And, um, and guess how many children Abram and Sarah have at this point? Zero kids, right? They have zero children, and so they've, they've got this promise that's kind of lingering out there, that's kind of hanging out there, and they're kind of wondering what's going on with this. There's nothing happening. And, um, and, and so all of a sudden, in chapter 16, um, Sarah begins to look at herself, and she says, I can't. It's this problem of self-doubt. It's this thing that says, God has made me this promise, but I can't live up into this promise. I can't match the promise that God has made me. It's almost like she's saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with God, but there's something wrong with, with me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to find a way to get around my inadequacy. I'm going to try to find a way to get past my inadequacy so that um, we, we can, you know, make the promise of God work. It's this problem of self-doubt. It's this response of self-doubt. And so what Sarah does, and obviously we wouldn't promote this, but uh, Sarah says, hey, I've got this, this slave, so Abram, you, you take my uh, slave woman and, and have sex with her and begin that family with her. And that's what they do. Uh, next response is a response of disbelief. Um, this is uh, pretty interesting. 17 verse 7, uh, God makes that promise that they're, uh, again, right, that, that I'm going to bless your wife. She's going to have a son. I'm going to bless her. And what's Abraham's response to that? He falls on his face and he laughs. He falls on his face and he laughs because he doesn't believe that it's possible. A, a lot of time has passed. Uh, Sarah has already said, I can't do it. I'm inadequate. And, and Abram's looking at it and saying, he can't and I can't. It's not happening. Right? That's what he's saying. He can't and I can't. It's not happening. He falls on his face and he laughs. Uh, sometimes the promises of God are so big and so foreign and so beyond us that, that we just don't believe it. But we just, just fall on our face and, and laugh. Um, so, so on the one hand, um, I, I've, I've got to kind of ask you, like, um, how have you been responding? And, and if you're anything like me, like, 
Hey, maybe sometime this week you responded in a faith-filled way, one of those first two. Maybe you were just filled with awe and you worshiped God. Maybe, um, maybe you had that kind of faith-filled movement. And then you look at your week or maybe even this morning and you say, oh man, I really haven't been paying attention to God. And, and in fact, I've been trying to do things my own way. And, and I, don't, I don't believe that God can actually use me. And, um, and, and I, don't, I don't think he's actually made me a promise. But, but here's the deal, right? Um, I, I would just ask you the question, where do you think scripture focuses most? See, go back to the kids' chat for a second, because what happens is we look at the story of Abraham, and we even look at these responses, and, and we instantly start to think about ourselves, and we, and we maybe either you know, pat ourselves on the back for, for responding in an appropriate way, or we say, oh, I screwed it up again. But where are we focused then? We're focused on ourselves. But what Scripture does is, is Scripture puts the focus and the emphasis, the weight, on God and the promises that he makes. It puts the emphasis and the focus and the weight on, on a God who speaks and a God who works and a God who makes promises. Just see this, right? It's super beautiful because it's just like woven in and out. The way I did it today isn't quite sufficient. But if you read the story, right, we get God who comes and makes promises. And then we get some good responses and some bad responses from Abraham. And you know what's cool is that um, then God comes and makes promises. And then we get some good responses and some bad responses from Abraham. And you know what's cool? God comes again and he makes those promises. And... And Abraham responds, sometimes good and sometimes bad. And then God comes and he speaks those promises once again. See, it's super cool that the story doesn't end, hey, God makes promises, Abraham screws it up, end of the story. Right? It's super cool that it's just woven in and out. God makes these promises and Abraham responds and then God comes and he makes, he makes promises. Um, the other uh, kind of really cool thing to see is, um, is that, is that um, Abram actually has that child, Isaac. Right? Eventually, uh, down the road, they have to wait a long time. Uh, and whatever God's purpose is, uh, is a different topic for a different day. But uh, they wait for a long time, and Abram actually has that child. Uh, God actually keeps that promise to this one man named Abraham, and he gives him a child named Isaac. Even though Abram messes up, even though Abram uh, repeatedly doesn't respond in a faith-filled way, God still gives him that one child. Uh, here's the other really cool thing. This is Matthew chapter 1. I just want you to see this. Matthew chapter 1, just verse 1, it goes like this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Go look it up later. You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy, but this is Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, right? This is telling us that God keeps his promise for thousands of years. And, and guess what? There are thousands of people that mess it up. There are thousands of people that don't respond in a faith-filled fashion. But here comes God, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, saying, Hey, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. God comes and he makes promises. 
and he, and he always desires to speak, and he's always going to be at work. The question is simply, how are we going to respond to it? Amen? Amen. Uh, let's pray and, uh, and thank God and, and ask for some help to respond. Um, Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you so much for being a God who's always been at work. Um, uh, we, we do believe and we trust that this is a book of examples and not exceptions. And so we, we trust that you continue to speak to us, that you continue to be at work today. Um, we, we, we trust and we believe that you speak promises over us. And so we ask that uh, you would take the focus off of ourselves, um, that you would uh, help us in those moments that we are distracted, um, that in those moments you would, you would lift our eyes so that we can see your love, so that we can see your word, so we can see your work, and we can rejoice, and we can delight, and we can know who you are and what you are up to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.